0: Hello and welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm here with whoop, Carolyn Thomas and Olivia Robson.
1: <laughs> good start, good yeah, start. Good start. <laughs> How you going girls? Well, thank you. Yes, very
0: good. Alright, so we're continuing on with our series on Colossians. We're looking at chapter 2. Um, last week we spoke about being rooted and built up in Christ Jesus, and we talked about how we need to be, just like plants, we need to have put those strong, deep roots down, um, and we do this by being in the Word, and we need to be built up on a strong foundation of Christ Jesus, so having walls and bricks based on the Word and not human emotion or anything like that, so our foundation is Christ, and we continue on in Him based on the Word. Alright, so let's just jump in girls, we're going to start on verse 6 to 7, and I'll just read it out for you. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Right, so Paul talks about being rooted and built up in the faith. The result of that is being strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness. So what does this look like, girls?
2: Well... As you said there, the main result, if we're rooted and built in Christ, then that's going to strengthen our faith. And, you know, our faith is that we believe Jesus Christ is Lord. And so if we strengthened in our faith, we're not going to be swayed by false doctrine and teaching because we know who we believed. And so we're standing firm and we're strengthened in what we believe. And what this would look like as well is um, these scriptures tell us what it would look like, Ephesians 4.14 Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the ways and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. So we're not going to be tossed back and forth. We're going to be firm strengthened in that. 2 Timothy 1.12 That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard What i have entrusted to him until that day so that for me is what being strengthened in your face look uh, in your face in your faith sorry looks like you just know exactly whom you believed and so you're not going to be swayed or tossed you know to and fro by any teaching and anything that comes your way and as you said lena if you're in the word as well that is your god as well against false teaching and things that might come your way you always check it out against the word and then the second um, result that we saw is that overflowing with thankfulness. And to me, that is what should be a distinguishing feature of a life that's in Christ. You know, it's all about your attitude. And that should be the mark that distinguishes us, that people are able to say, well, you know, how come all of this is going on and you're still so thankful and you've got such a good attitude? Um, and it's what comes out of our mouth, isn't It, it shows the state of our hearts. And so um we have to look at that is it thankful is it positive or is it neg- negative and critical and um you know if we look at what's coming out of our mass and 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 we see that maybe in some areas it might be negative and critical then we need to maybe look and see if we've got some roots and places that they shouldn't be we talked about being rooted in Christ and so we might have a few roots if if things keep coming up that are in places they shouldn't be but as Christians that should be our natural response that we just thank for we sing praises to God because all the blessings come from him. Mm. and Lena just mm. looks so stunned because she's so overwhelmed amazed by touching teaching
0: so early on in the podcast I was, just, um, I was thinking about this um, kids party I went to on the weekend like the stark contrast between that thankfulness of the Christian and then the non-believer cause I had someone walk up to me and just one of their first comments to me was about oh the boys are they making you tear your hair out sort of thing and like proceeded to go on about just how terrible it is, the children, that sort of thing and I'm like No <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I think that covers it.
1: Yeah. Um I oh know I was
0: looking at um I was at Crystal's house today and I was looking at her she's got this little whiteboard and she lists down all the things that she's thankful for and it's like turning around like you your negative things like, oh, I'm thankful that I have cleaning to do because it means that I have a safe place to have, you know, shelter and i think thankful for dishes because it means that we have got food and you know, mm-hmm. things like that. All those are like little mundane tasks that can you can be a bit resentful and get really critical about is actually, those are the um, like the consequences of God's blessing in your life yeah, that you've good. got Dishes because yeah.
2: you've got lots of food it. and it, and it also reminds me you just saying that of that scripture that talks about that everything you do do it is unto the Lord, yeah. um, you know serving him and that's even in all of those mundane daily tasks and mm. yeah like what you say those tasks are the consequence of blessing yeah yeah that's
0: mm. good yeah mm. all right um, so let's look on verse eight. Says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Right, so what is Paul actually warning the Colossians about when he says, see to it that no one takes you captive? Basically, what does being captive mean, Olivia?
1: I think being locked into a place where, um, Like, you're confused by false teaching or you've been taken, um, like, you've become slave to a new master. So you've started to believe things that are locking you in and binding you down rather than walking in the freedom that we have in Christ. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes, I mean, captive is like being subdued or ensnared. It's yep. to be brought under someone else's control, isn't yep. it? And like you get led away from that truth and you're subjected to someone else's influence and sway.
2: And uh, two words that you used there, Liv, you said mm-hmm. captive and master. Yeah. you yeah. enslaved to a new master because whatever yeah. uh, is your master's, you know, obviously controlling you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we've got to remember here as well, when Paul wrote this, he was warning them not to go backwards to go under bondage, you know, as you said, allowing false teachers to confuse them and convince them um, by applying extra rules and laws to themselves and basically going backwards into that, trying to earn salvation by works and observing different laws and stuff. And, um, you know, we, we remember as well that he was writing this letter of Colossians to refute the heresy that Christ is not enough and warning them that if they believe that, there needs to be additions to believing in the sufficiency of Christ. It's going to lead them back into bondage, into mm. captivity, and they become slave again to the rules and laws. And as you said earlier, Olivia, Galatians five one, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves mm. be burdened again, again. I'm like mm. telling my scriptures, woman. By <laughs> a yoke of slavery. So again, it's that... Um, you know, letting yourself go back into that and burdened again because that's what they've just come out of. And, you know, the word freedom here means that he uses here, it means freedom from the yoke of the law, the yoke of that slavery. And, you know, that um, the law that was very rigorous demand um, as a means of trying to gain God's favor. So gain, it's all that back under striving, that constant striving, Mm. condemnation when you blow it, striving again, trying to constantly earn, which basically is religion um, you know, trying to just earn your own righteousness and again that word captive, you know under restrictions and control and um It's always going to fail to meet the requirements of the law, so you're going to feel condemned and out of God's favor, and it's just that vicious cycle. You know, I was saying, I might have been to you, Lena, the other day, that often, you know, we talk about this, don't let yourself be under bondage, and, you know, all these behavior defense mechanisms we have put us under bondage, and, you know, I sometimes think, how do you explain that? How do people sort of think, well, how is it bondage? But it's just that it's basically bondage in your mind, isn't it? Because that's all you're thinking of, and then you blow it, and then you mm. feel condemned, and you get accused, feel condemned, and so you strive more. So it's just really all of it in your thought life as well, and then your behaviours, you just get into those cycles of bondage. Yep.
0: Yep, and that's why we're supposed to take every thought captive and make yep. it obedient to Christ so we don't get bound up in that slavery.
2: Because it all starts in your mind, isn't it? That's where mm. the bondage is. hmm And then your behaviours and your reactions will come out of that.
0: Yeah. Alright, so Paul describes these philosophies as hollow and deceptive. And basically a false teaching, it's not solid, it's not sound teaching, so that's where you get the hollow from. This false teaching only used to deceive people and lead them away from the truth in Christ that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Yep. So it puts you on shaky ground.
1: Yeah, well they're philosophies, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, <laughs> <laughs>
2: talking about talking yeah. <laughs> talking about thinking <laughs> yeah because the question there why does Paul describe them and I just wrote because they are dumb. <laughs> like, deceptive. and what you just said they live hit the nail on the head human philosophy is empty compared to the complete adequacy of Jesus Christ because what are you doing sitting around talking about thinking and talking and um, you know just looked at a definition of philosophy, the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge reality and existence and so if you're looking at that definition especially um, where it's the study of existence anything, any talk or study outside of creation and Christ is just absolutely empty and a total waste of time, Mm -hmm. so you can spend hours talking about existence but if you're not saying it's Christ that you know, because of him we exist creation everything has come into being you don't believe in that then that's just absolutely empty isn't it yeah. um, and philosophy is from the Greek word for the love of wisdom and, and so it's a study based on so called logical reasoning and as I said it's hollow because they're outside of Christ deceptive because the philosophies that the false teachers were trying to introduce was one that said as we've already discussed that they, they need to have additions to the teaching of Christ and the scriptures And so the deception there comes in. He's saying they're deceptive because it is actually telling them that Christ's sacrifice wasn't sufficient and we we need to add to it. And so by following rules and stuff, you could in some way earn your salvation. So that's where the deception comes in. And they're prescribing Old Testament practices, um, and that just undercuts the full sufficiency of Jesus' work on the cross, and that's why it's so dangerous and so deceptive.
0: Yeah. Alright, so Paul specifically talks about these deceptive philosophies depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So what does Paul mean with that? Do you want to talk about human tradition?
1: So I basically wrote down for this... Human tradition, like Carolyn was saying, looking at all the Old Testament laws, the, the covenant, like the old covenant, so not taking into consideration Jesus Christ and the new covenant he made. And I think when I was looking at this, one thing occurred to me is that, you know, we're reading these words that Paul wrote, but at the time they probably didn't even have the fullness of the Bible that we have now. They were still like looking and discerning all this stuff, but they knew full well that Jesus had come and that this freedom had been given to them. But then they're like still struggling, like they're in this like hole between their old ways and like fighting for the new covenant. And that's why I think that like Paul was really saying, we can't go back to this human tradition. We've just broken free from that. The old covenant, the new covenant is here. So
0: yeah. Yeah, and hu- human tradition, I mean, that says it all. It starts with man mm-hmm. and not God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Paul was talking about those traditions of man, that teaching and ideals that have their origin only in man's thinking was just pure speculation. Um, and these were, like, very exclusive and only transmitted to, like, special few or the initiated. Mm-hmm. And
2: we've got here Galatians 4, um, verses 3, 9, and 10. So we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary principles of the world. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? You observe days and months and seasons and years. And, you know, there's three views about what was meant here by the elemental spiritual forces. And the one is, as we've discussed, according to human tradition, so referring to things that, um, are originating with man, and Paul was warning them. And well, in Galatians, he warned them there that they were in danger of returning to their pagan idolatry, and it's that word against dokeia, which is the elemental word, the Greek word for that. And um, a lot of scholars agree as well that Paul was referring to the satanic demons which have originated the false teachings, which he's trying to refute because remember, demons will always be behind these false teachings. And then one of the um the third meaning it can be relating to the spirits and stars, so spirits and also stars and planets, so the whole astrology and zodiac and if you listen to deuteronomy four nineteen and it's under the subtitle of idolatry, forbidden we have here, and when you look up to the sky and see the star sorry, and when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshipping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. So, yeah. yeah.
0: It's a bit conceited, isn't it, to think that man's life and destiny were... Determined, determined by the stars or <laughs> created things.
2: Well, that's mm. the thing. Doesn't that require more faith? That's always gets me, you know? Yeah. That I want to say to someone, let me shake your hand, because if you believe all this came from just an explosion, what you've got more faith than I have to believe in a creator? Yeah.
1: All
2: right. And verse 9,
0: Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Alright, so here again, Paul was directly refuting the Gnostics who were trying to introduce their false teaching in the church. So they wanted to take away from who Jesus is and they were denying his deity and his being fully human. So they were separating the physical from the spiritual and they believed that all matter is evil so they don't believe that he had a real body and that of course contradicts who the real Jesus is. Um they claim that he could have been nothing more than a spiritual phantom in a bodily form. So how dangerous is this teaching?
2: I like think they said as well he didn't leave footprints when he walked. <laughs> <gasps> well, obviously it's totally dangerous, isn't it? We've talked about this at length before, um so deceptive because we have to make sure that we are worshipping and serving the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus of the Bible is God and man and to take away his deity, you know, then he's he's not our sacrifice.
0: Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Alright. Yeah. And like you look at Adam, like death came through a man, Mm. Adam. And our salvation therefore had to come through a man to take the place. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was thinking too, well, Bible talks about the law requires everything to be cleansed with blood. So without that shedding of blood, there isn't any forgiveness. So without having a physical body, that his blood couldn't have been shed, and that so we couldn't have been cleansed because Jesus wouldn't have shed his blood. So we couldn't have been forgiven of our sins. That's right, and he was um,
2: fully human. And as you say, like any of us without sin though, and that's why we, you know, he's able to be our sac- sacrifice,
0: yeah okay oh, and that's Romans 8, that's what I was referring to so you can read that, okay let's listen to verse 10 and in Christ you have been brought to fullness he is the head over every power and authority, so what does that phrase mean for us and in Christ you're being brought to fullness
2: yeah, YouTube talks, and so always get accused of, like, stealing all the scriptures. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think it's exactly like we were just saying. Christ paid that ultimate sacrifice because he was righteous. He was fully human. So that we've been brought to fullness in Christ, that the sacrifice was, co- like, was complete and we have been made new. Um, yeah, we can, if we are under him, We serve no one or nothing else. We are free in Christ to serve him alone.
0: Yeah, totally complete. We don't need any knowledge, secret wisdom, special teaching. You know, there's no special practices for us to follow, work that we need to complete. Just our salvation is in Christ alone. And done. Yeah. That's it.
2: (laughs) And that's what you said. Yeah, Everything we need is in him. We're complete. And again, he's addressing the Gnostics, which are saying we need to add on. And our completeness in him includes putting off the flesh, which if we read further you see in verse 11, resurrection from spiritual death, Um, forgiveness, deliverance from the requirements of the law, and deliverance from the demonic, from all the evil spirits. So everything we need, as you said, it's all there. He is our sufficiency.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so he's the head over every power and authority. So Christ is the head and Lord over all, over every part of the universe, including angels. So he's the only authority, the only one we need. Mm. We don't need any special aid beyond Jesus. So we can put our full trust in Christ. He is enough and he alone is all we need. And I think
2: if we really, really grasp that, um, then we realize that it doesn't matter what we face because we face it with one who's in charge of everything and stronger than everything and we don't have to fear. And then we would also realise that nothing happens that God is not aware of. There's no mm. curveballs. What might feel like a curveball for us or a circumstance, He's aware of everything. Because as you said, Lena, He's head over everything as well. And yeah. Um,
0: okay, so just before we move on, I just wanted to challenge everyone to really meditate on those verses 9 and 10 and just ask the Holy Spirit to help you grasp who Christ is and what He is for us. Alright, so let's start looking at chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. Okay, so I'll just read them now. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self was ruled ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Alright, so let's just start at verse 11. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self was rule, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So, let's talk about
1: that. Well, um, I first had that circumcision for the Jews was a physical symbol whereas circumcision performed by Christ is that um, of our hearts. So it's um, cutting off the old man, the sinful nature, who we um, used to be without Christ, and then um, like restoring his godly image in us by that yeah, circumcision of our heart rather than a physical symbol. Yeah.
0: So it was that Jewish practice that demonstrated they were separate from the rest of the world. That's what identified them as God's people, and that now that circumcision of the heart is what identifies us as God's people.
2: Yeah, and so it's that, as you said, Liv, it's that inward, it's that inward surrendering of your heart to God, mm-hmm. um, inward dedication to God, and as you said as well, it means that circumcision of the heart means you're cutting from your life everything which is against the will of God. Um, I love um, Barclay's paraphrases what Paul says it says like this you demand circumcision but you must remember that circumcision does not mean simply the removal of the foreskin from a man's body it means the putting off of that whole part of his human nature which sets him at variance with God any priest can circumcise a man's foreskin only Christ can bring about that spiritual circumcision which means cutting away from a man's life everything which keeps him from being God's obedient child
0: Amen.
2: Yeah, I like that. All right, verse 12. Having, oh, sorry, i am not had to say oh, we that. I yeah, apologize. Right. Um, I just want to read here as well that um, Paul says in, in Galatians, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. I reckon that statement would have driven the Pharisees wild. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit... We eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Uh, I reckon that would have just really, they would have hated that comment. And so, sorry. Yep. And so I reckon that would have just driven them wild. Um, you know, and Paul's really very straightforward saying, yeah, again, it's attacking that whole thing of that you need to do you know outward things you need to do additional things Um, you know Mm. Christ is not enough and so he's really and we are really out you're just thinking we can really thank him hey for taking a stand and for really fighting against that and and we have the same responsibility to not allow these false teachings and errors to come into the church because if they hadn't stood against that and they got persecuted as we know he did as well for standing against that but we've got a duty to really you know be watchmen as well And make sure this kind of stuff's not creeping into the church.
0: Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. kind of easy for us to sit back and read the Bible and go, well, that's all, those attacks are all for that time. Yep. But we've got our own responsibility. Yeah. And it always comes. It's just in a different form, but it's the same thing.
2: Mm. Did you want to say anything? Yeah, no, no, just thinking what you're saying as well, you know, we've got responsibility. Um, to God and to make sure the word is the standard and I can remember that when we'd first started uh, house, you know and I was talking about the word we would preach the word and and one of the people that we had put into a position um, then had said um, yeah but you know we've got to like take a middle ground don't get too like heavy on it and just thinking no you don't know the word is the word and that we've got to um, fight we've had lots of um, over the years lots of you know, you might not always see it as a fight for that, but we've had a lot of um, fighting to, that we've had to do. And it's actually, if you boil it all down, it's a fight to be keeping the Word of God as our standard. Yeah. And often it's disguised and it doesn't look like that. But if you took every situation and analysed it, it's been an attack on that, trying to get us to drop the standard. something <laughs> Alright, first, first roll.
0: Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, so what does baptism signify?
1: Go, go. <laughs> Um, So just like it says, you've been buried with him and um, also raised with him through your faith. So baptism is like that um, when we we publicly show that we are being buried with Christ and we rise again. It's like we go under the water and then we come out. But I also think it really shows the fact that when we go down and we're buried, that's showing like Christ's death. So that's where we come to repentance. But then when we rise again, it's only through faith in him. Yeah, totally.
0: That yeah. yeah, that's really good and like each act, each part is significant. Yes. Yeah. Um it holds a significance because it you know, there's that death of our old life and the birth of our new life in Christ. Um you know, it's as if we're being raised with with Christ again and we're saint, we get it's a choice. We're choosing to die to sin and live in righteousness yeah. controlled by the Holy Spirit. And it actually it's a conscious decision on your behalf to put away that old sinful life. Um and that's why I don't believe that an infant could yeah. be baptized, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe a child if they really clued up, clued up. <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe a child to say, and they really understood, but you know it's what you're saying Liv. it's there's repentance and mm-hmm. faith,
1: mm-hmm. you know you have
0: to have that clear conscience before God and be yep. choosing to be a disciple of Christ,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. so there's several choices that you need to make um so and the baby is not cannot possibly make that decision that's right yeah
2: Yeah. I agree and um you know I was just when I was writing this I was just thinking about how um you know for some this baptism has just become a ritual because um You know there should be like you girls have talked about you know it's that dying to self and Mm. it's that rising you know in christ with your new nature and stuff so there should be a discernible change Mm. in people and in their behavior and especially you know the reason we do it publicly is because it is a declaration you know to say to people i'm not ashamed of the gospel and you know you're declaring that i'm aligning myself totally with christ and you know i was just thinking it's become a box to tick on acquiring church membership have you been baptized ticket and I think a better box that we should have is um, a box to tick what evidence is there of of you walking by the spirit, what evidence or example in your life is there of the free of the spirit Mm -hmm. because I know lots of people That have been baptized and so that's one of the questions on the membership form of you know some of the churches and they can tick it and give the date and whatever but there's no probing no questioning of evidence of fruit of the spirit and walking Mm -hmm. by the spirit and to me that would be a better thing because baptism as I said you saying I identify the death of Christ I die to myself and there should be then evidence in a changed you know behavior and walking in nature and As you said, Lena, about the infant baptism. And in the New Testament, we see clearly it's adult baptism. And as you said, it has to do with the fact that you're choosing to identify by acknowledging that you're a sinner, choosing to show your repentance by dying to self. So all those elements that you talked about. And you need to be of an age where you can understand that and you make that choice. And now Paul also talks there about, you know, as you've been instructed, um, having been, oh, somewhere he's got that, I don't know, might be further on, but instructed. And so you've been taught, they've been taught and taken through the process to make sure they know exactly what they're doing and what they are declaring by that baptism. And I guess the total immersion is symbolic, isn't it? Of going into the grave and then, you know, mm. as the waters close, it's as if you've died and then you rise up again. And yes, yeah, so a part of you has died. Um, and... That symbolism of baptism can only become a reality for you if you believe in the life death and resurrection of Christ and that goes back to again age of understanding of actually understanding what all of that means and you know that it's God's working in you and he's raised Jesus and so he can do the same for you um, yeah, and so Col- Colossians 2, 11 to 12, that must be what we've just read, hey? When you were circumcised with Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. And so there that baptism in that verse has been linked as the outward sign of circumcision of your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It
2: says you've been circumcised mm-hmm. with Christ, having been buried so for us, that's the evidence of the circumcision of that. Well, it's the outward, sorry, sign of the circumcision, like the ceremony showing the world that you've undergone heart circumcision. Yeah. And that's why I say there should be change afterwards. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just become another ritual, hasn't it? Just mm. something you do to tick a box.
1: Yeah. And
0: it, has, it holds significance because I can't remember what it was. The Dope Prince book I was reading about it today mentioned this story. But... um Like I think it was Paul went and spoke to a church and they'd undergone John's baptism, and that's it. And Paul's like, okay, we've got to take you through all this teaching, and then you need to be rebaptized because it's something significant about, you know, what you're saying. There's that repentance and faith. There's something significant about it. It's not just a pure form and something to tick on the box as part of. This is my evidence. Like it's actually a, a, a spiritual thing.
2: And and let's look at um, Romans 6, 1 to 7. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase by no means? We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? See, John's baptism was baptism to repentance. He baptized into his death. Mm. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised Raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body rule by sin might be done away with that We should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So it's really significant, isn't it, that that baptism... um, yeah if we've been united in death we'll be united in resurrection so it's really important and that as well he's saying there as well it said that evidence needs to be changed because you die to sin and to self and if you still come out of the waters and you carry on as you have in your old kind of way then what's that
1: mm. yeah when i got baptized my alma was like really explicit she just kept saying to me it's no longer you but Christ in you so it's everything you're doing it's like you're saying there'll be that fruit because it's Christ in you yeah it's not you anymore everything you're doing is like with him in his power Alright, all
0: right we're um going to wrap up there I just want to just go back and recap just reiterate that our salvation is in Christ alone and in him we're complete and perfect so we can fully put our trust in Christ and He is enough, He's alone, all that we need. We don't need to strive and try and fulfill any sort of special practices. It's in, in Christ alone. We, are, we have fullness in Him. Alright, so we just really encourage everyone to get into the Word for yourselves. Um, read alongside us, do Word studies, um, just start pulling it apart yourself and just applying it to your life. That's um, how you are going to grow and mature in your walk with Christ. Um, okay, and ah, oh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can jump onto our website www.life-house.net. All right, we'll see you next podcast.